don't you normally do like an intro like oh this is agreeable oh. disagreements and i'm Andrew, yeah. and this is cameron and this river i don't even know what you say i just let you do it so i don't have to <laughs> i mean i i don't know what i say either also uh this is uh we should probably tell our listeners this is uh We've been on a hiatus, and we decided that this would be the start of, I guess, our season two. Um, so we're uh, we're going to be recording, you know, more uh, frequently um, than we have at least, you know, within the last couple months. It was the holidays. Um, we were busy, and I traveled. Yeah, yeah. No, we we both had a lot going on. Um, but uh, welcome to Agreeable Disagreements. It's a show where two friends with differing uh, ideologies uh, talk about politics. Or news. Or news. Because sometimes or we can sometimes, disagree on news. Or, or sometimes what? neither. <laughs> or sometimes neither, right? Sometimes, sometimes just news. Sometimes we talk about aliens. Alien. That was a fun one. Okay. And mayo. So, so uh, we're going to make some predictions for our new year this year mm -hmm. and we we're going to talk we're going to start with the epstein list and i think it's really important that we edit this episode and get it out quick because yeah. this list might be released tonight could be released tomorrow um as of recording let me just double check that in the time it's taken us to get here they haven't published i it. mean i've already seen a couple names that are on it they're they're not names that are going to surprise anyone but uh, I've already seen like a couple people have somehow managed to get pictures of the the flight logs, uh, and they've. You know, I've um, seen some of that, but I don't know if it's true. I mean, yeah, that's. I guess it could be fake, but also, I mean, because they've had like two years to fake these things and wait until they say we're going to release the list to release their fake things. Yeah, but but these are names that that would surprise nobody. So should I should I just say the names that? Sure. Why don't you go ahead and say obvious. the ones that you've seen floating around, the ones that you think are pretty obvious? Uh, I mean, Donald Trump. Uh, that was pretty well known. There's tons of of uh, accounts of uh, Donald Trump and and Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein all, you know, hanging out quite frequent frequently over the last i don't know 30 years um the other one i don't know that i actually uh if this was confirmed that he's on it but the other one that i think is pretty obvious would be prince andrew prince andrew is the one i've seen thrown around a lot i've also seen bill clinton thrown around a lot yes and bill clinton has been uh his name has come up in um in the court Various cases records and and the court cases but from what i saw it uh nobody has confirmed whether or not he's been on the flight log and also uh, just just so I that mean, the pilot said bill clinton flew with us multiple times true yeah he also um, said that about trump he said that about prince andrew so yeah uh before we get any further into this uh let i think we should just make it very clear that um, the flight logs are only flight logs. Right. It doesn't the necessarily say logs... who went to the island. It doesn't necessarily say who participated in sexual trafficking or human yeah. trafficking for sexual purposes. Although, yeah. um, I did see something that I will admit 
I, I'm hesitant to say is accurate um, because I don't know for sure. But it's one of the things that you talked about. It appeared to be someone's gotten some photos or scans of it. Mm-hmm. And it looks like there's names. And then when there's a person being trafficked, it just says number female. So like two females, one oh, female. Wow. Um, okay. And some of those had other people on there that we can not necessarily confirm, but who have already been brought up and named in the cases such as Prince Andrew or Bill right. Clinton or President Trump. You're Donald Trump. Why am I saying President Trump and Bill Clinton? President Clinton, President Trump. I'm just going to try yeah. and keep it consistent. Anyway, um, so let's get some let's get some ideas. Who do you think is going to be on there? Aside from those like, quote unquote, obvious people. So I'm, I don't know. I, I kind of, uh, when I was thinking about this topic today, I wasn't really thinking about specific people, um, more of like just general categories. Sure. Uh, so I think the majority of, of at least the political figures on the list, I think are going to be Republicans. I think it's going to be a 50-50 split, if we're being honest. Could be. Could be. Because when you look at the kind of people who are on those sort of lists, it has less to do with political affiliation and more to do with positions of power. I mean, Mm -hmm. if you look at people like uh, Bohemian Grove, that's not a strictly Republican or Democrat thing. It's pretty 50-50 what kind of people participate in that. When you look at some of these sort of secret society, secret get-togethers it it seems to be more about position than uh politics yeah um i i do think that uh i think i wouldn't be surprised if elon musk was on there see i I wouldn't be surprised but he's pretty young elon musk is pretty young compared to some of these other people who would be on that list so yeah, I don't but know about that. He's been around long enough that I mean, we I, I think we have to assume that Epstein uh and I, I don't know what span of time this list covers. I think there's about 150 uh names on it. Um but I think that Elon's been around long enough that he at least would have had an opportunity. Uh, but I also, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if Bill Gates was on there or oh, Jeff I, Bezos. I totally think Bill Gates is on there. Jeff Bezos, yeah. I would see as a possibility. Elon Musk, though, I would I would hesitate to put him on, not just because of the age, but also because he's been one of the people who's very vocal about releasing the forms and releasing the logs. Oh, has he? Oh, very much so on oh, Twitter, okay. on Twitter or X, whatever you want to call it now. Um, yeah, he's been very much. Yeah, we need to release these. We need to release this. The public needs to know this information. And, you know, he could be the kind of person who would be like, I'm on it, but I don't care. Or I'm yeah, on it. I mean, so I, I know that it needs to be released. That that's a possibility. <laughs> it is 100% a possibility with Elon Musk. But he has been very, very vocal about political corruption on X yeah. and Twitter and specifically naming Ghislaine Maxwell and Jeffrey Epstein and their list of people and people he thinks are on it. Yeah, that could be. Um, the other, uh, the other thing I was thinking today is I'm, and I'm not necessarily making a prediction, but I'm, I'm, uh, I mean, I guess maybe I am. Uh, 
I think there's going to be some names that we don't necessarily expect. Um, Certain, maybe certain actors who, you know, have a, a fairly good reputation, you know, for instance, Keanu Reeves. I don't think Keanu Reeves is going to be on there, but, uh, you know, maybe uh, somebody who is much beloved by the public. Um, the other thing is maybe a certain um, political figures who uh, at least I would be surprised, but not super surprised um specifically um uh al franken Mm. i i I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him or somebody um you know who's who's very progressive and very uh um you know charismatic uh but not um not necessarily known for being, you know, super uh, politically elite. That one. Well, I guess Al, Al Franken was pretty elite by the time he. By the time he retired, on. yeah. Yeah, I but, still think of him as a comedian, though. <laughs> a lot of people do. You know, I think we're going to see a good amount of people who are, um, like you said, otherwise good people by reputation. And I think that's why it's important to make this distinction that not everybody who is on these logs participated in the terrible things. For example, if you just Google Jeffrey Epstein's name, it comes up with people also search for, and these are all suspicions of who might be on the list. Anthony Bourdain is on that list. I would, I would be really surprised uh, about that because specifically because um, the, the whole me too movement, started when Rose McGowan and Asha Argento uh, publicly made statements uh, uh, against Harvey Weinstein. Sure. And who I definitely for, think is on that list. Uh, Ash- or Harvey Weinstein. Oh yeah. Yes. Harvey Weinstein for sure. Uh, also, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Quentin Tarantino was too. Mm. Um, but Anthony Bourdain, for for uh, listeners who aren't familiar with the circumstances around Anthony Bourdain's death, um, he committed suicide after uh, tabloid pictures had come out of his then-girlfriend, Asia Argento, uh, canoodling with another man. And that's uh, for, you know, as much as we know, that's why he committed suicide. Um and he was very, very outspoken um, in support of the Me Too movement uh, within the last uh, two two years of his life. Um, and I would be I would be very surprised if if he was on that list. But it is you know, he may be coming up with the search as someone who is critical of it too. Could be. Yeah. Um, some people who I think would not surprise me at all um, are people like Kevin Spacey. Yeah. I think, or R. Kelly. I think we're going to see some people who we have already vilified and it's just going to add to it. Um, see, I, R. Kelly, I don't know if he would have traveled in the same circles as Epstein. 
I think Epstein got around. I think he got around. The trafficking circle. Well, we know that R. Kelly has some issues with uh, young people. Yep. Is Is he currently in prison? Let me see. I thought he was. I think he is. Let's see. Google is R. Kelly currently imprisoned. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Short yeah. answer, yes. In North Carolina. Okay. 30 years. 30 year sentence. Still not enough. Yeah, I agree. Anyway, what about um, how many people that are on the list uh, are on the flight logs do you think are going to be implicated in some of the human trafficking? Like, what percentage do you think? Because I, I, I think it's pretty safe to say it's not going to be 100%. No. I mean, his flights um, are going to go all over the world, all over the country. So I I think it's going to take a lot of of time and work by the, the you know, Justice Department, FBI, whoever's dealing with these um, these kinds of, of things. Um, but I, I would be surprised if we saw, uh, convictions, uh, made for more than 20% of the people named on the list. That's, that's pretty similar to what my guess was going to be. I was going to say max 30% just because, you know, he, he's a financier and socialite. A lot of his, you know, dealings are going to be simply, Hey, let's have a political get together, lobbying kind of things. Yeah. But you know, I think the highest profile people he meets with are going to be the ones who go to the Island. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, it's, it's, I think, I think for the people that went to the Island, his, you know, private Island, um, it's going to be much easier to kind of make those connections. I still think it's going to be really hard to get conclusive evidence about what was going on on that Island specifically because it's a private Island. Uh, I think if, if there are convictions made because or at least that, you know, uh, started uh, or, or, came from cases that started because of the information in this list. I think it's going to be because of uh, other places that the jet traveled and they just have to kind of follow breadcrumbs around to, you know, to these other places. And I think that's actually going to be more fruitful uh, in terms of, of any convictions that come out of this. I don't know. I think, I think there might be a couple people who are convicted who are just going to sing and just let it all out and be like, you know what? I'm caught. I feel terrible. I'm just going to tell you everything. And I feel like that's going to create a lot more heavy implications. Yeah. Could be. But let's use this as an opportunity to maybe move on to one of the others. Um, Sure. And we can either do this in order of importance or order of events, because we want to talk about the presidential election, but we also want to talk about whether or not we think the Supreme Court is even going to let Trump on the ballot. And we also want to talk about whether or not Trump's going to go to jail. So, yeah, which one of those do you want to talk about first? <laughs> um, because, like, it's hard for me to say 
presidential election, yes, I think he's going to go to jail or something like that. You know, I feel like that would be right. weird. Let's start with the jail one. Do you think Trump's going to go to jail? Yes or no? no. And why? No. Um, I've that's that's just my own pessimism. So why do you uh, think he would go to jail? Because he he uh, uh, committed insurrection or, or instigated an insurrection. He um, uh, also uh, has or definitely engaged in uh, uh, election fraud uh, and trying to get the uh, trying to get Georgia. Um, to I forget who it was in Georgia, uh, but he he tried to tamper with the election results in his favor. That's a crime. That's uh, a pretty serious crime. Uh, we know he did it. Um, it's just a matter of whether or not we, uh, as a country, are willing to send a former president to jail. And I think that Trump has gotten away with so much that, um, you know, we know happened and very little consequences have, have come from it that I, it might just be that I don't want to get my hopes up, but, um, Mm I, I, I think he deserves to be in prison, but I don't think he will, uh, actually go to prison. I, I don't think he will go to prison, but I think it's for different reasons. Right. You don't think he's going to go to prison because you don't think you don't have essentially faith in the system that it will happen. Is that? Yeah. Yeah. I I, I guess that's a good way to put it. And I think he's not going to go to prison because he has towed the line on a lot of things that will allow him to be like, well, technically and get out of it. Weasel out of it. So like what? Well, I mean, like. For example, the the election overturn in Georgia, right? Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's a lot of evidence for it, but a lot of it is also like, eh, if it was so clear cut, you know, here we are three years later, it would have been done. You know, he said three I... years of not campaigning. He said three years of, and that's not even like a, a congressional thing that can be backtracked. That is a grand jury investigation in the state of Georgia that okay. could yeah. very easily just be like, yeah, let's get this done. You know? I mean, but we know that he did it. We have, but, we have phone records. We have testimony. We have uh pretty conclusive evidence. It's just that the, uh, I don't know if that trial has even started yet. Right. But what I'm saying is, it's not necessarily a crime to refuse to acknowledge the results. And it's no, but it not is a necess- crime to, to solicit uh, election tampering. That is, mm, that is true. But I could, I could call you on the phone and say, Hey man, let's go bomb the Boston marathon. Ha 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 ha. You know, that doesn't constitute necessarily guilt in a conspiracy to bomb the Boston marathon. Right. Unless there's further evidence to show that I was actually attempting to do that. And I think there is evidence that shows that, but I think he's 
tried to toe, and not just with this, but with all of his cases, I think he has tried to toe the line so that he can get away with stuff. And some of these things he's not going to get away with. Some of them he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I guess I can see your point. Um, I don't necessarily know in specifically the case in Georgia. I don't know if I agree with it, um, but I can I can kind of uh, see the logic behind what you're saying. Um, but I think I don't know. I I still think that that it's it's going to be a pretty amazing magic trick. If he's able to convince, <laughs> you know, the the jury um, that or or a judge that he was not intentionally trying to uh, change or convince someone else to, you know, change uh, the the votes and uh, flip the election. Uh, and I think there's a, a very good case of, um, and, and I don't, I don't really know if this, you know, would add to the severity of, of the crimes. Uh, but I think it's, you know, safe to say that, uh, the, the officials that he called and, you know, tried to get them to, to, uh, get him more votes. Um, I think it would be safe to say that, you know, they felt that they were under duress. So I think another thing to remember here is you and I are talking about jail or no jail, but the reality Mm -hmm. of the situation is that there's degrees of guilt and he may be found guilty, but not to a degree that sends him to jail, maybe only to a degree that puts him under house arrest or maybe to a degree that puts him on parole or a hefty fine. And if there's a hefty fine, he he'll pay that. He doesn't care. Right. Money is money is nothing to him. Right. So I think when we're talking about jail or no jail, I don't think he's going to go to jail. But are we yeah, talking about I, I think that will he be on found the judge that he gets uh, for sentencing? That's fair. But I also think another discussion would be guilty or not guilty. Right. I'm not saying that he's not guilty of things. I'm saying I think he's towed the line enough to not get jail time. Yeah, I mean, I I think uh, would it be safe to say that you and I both agree that he's guilty of at least some of these crimes that have still uh, yet to be decided? Some, sure. Um, I think we might disagree on which, but yeah. some, sure. Yeah, I mean the 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 fact of the matter is, is that um, I mean I I would also agree that. Uh, I, I at least don't think he'll be found guilty of all the crimes that he's, uh, you know, been indicted for, um, specifically just because I know that it's, you know, pretty common practice to kind of just throw the book at, uh, at somebody just to, uh, cover all your bases and try to get some kind of, you know, guilty, uh, conviction, um, but I, uh, ooh, where, where was that train of thought going? Choo choo. Not here. Yeah. 
Um, uh, let's let's move on. I I yeah, we'll just move on. Yeah. Um. So I think the next step above that is you know we've we've had recent news that Trump was removed by the Colorado uh, courts from the ballot, and that and he is appealing. Not and Maine. You're right. And Maine. Um, Colorado is the big one that I saw. Mm-hmm. I think just because it happened first, and so they get yeah. all the attention. Um, but yeah, so he's been officially removed, uh, in two States, but then he appealed it. And the way the appeal was ruled was while we are going through the, uh, the appellate process, you still are on the ballot. So he was okay. removed, but then he's back on while they're reviewing the case. Yeah. So do you think that he is going to remain on the ballot. And if you think, yes, do you think it's going to be across the board or do you think he's not going to be on the ballot in some States? I think think no, same question. Yeah. I think there are going to be some state for, first of all, I think these, these are just the first, uh, two States. Um, and there's going to be more States that do similar things. Um, and I think, um, I think, uh, I, I actually, I don't know, uh, if he, I'm going to, I'm going to say, I, I think that there will be some States, uh, where he is not on the ballot for, uh, uh, at least the primary. Hmm. Um, okay. I think that, uh, so there's there's a couple things that I'm I'm are kind of influencing um, that opinion, and the first thing is that uh, I think ultimately what their goal is, or at least Trump's you know people, his supporters, his team, I think what their goal is is to, at this point is to make sure that it gets in front of the Supreme Court. And depending sure. on how the Supreme Court decides on that, if they determine that you, you know, that he has to be on the ballot, then I think absolutely he's, you know, there's nothing that we can really do about that. Um, I'm not sure if they necessarily would decide. Uh, and using the two states that have already done that as an example, um, uh, I think it's important to look at the differences between the two. And this is actually something that I, I uh, am ashamed to say this, but I actually uh, first heard this specific point brought up on Fox news. Um, so the, uh, Oh my gosh, your leftism is showing. Right. Uh, so the, uh, the, Case in Maine, um, that was decided by a single judge, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is much easier to overturn than what happened in Colorado, where they had a bench trial and they went through the, I mean, pretty much all of the due process and the, uh, they, through that process, they weighed the facts they weighed the implications all of that stuff and i think 
in both cases, they cited the 14th Amendment, uh, which uh, says that um, no person who has been involved in an insurrection can hold public office. Uh, and it's at least been shown that he um, influenced it, if not, you know, instigated it. Uh, and so that's what they've that's the justification that they've used. Uh, but I think it's it's going to be a much uh, better argument, or, or it's going to hold up a lot better if it's done like they did in Colorado, where they have a you know they have an actual trial instead of just one. Uh, uh, I think it was a circuit judge court uh, or circuit court judge uh, in Maine who just unilaterally decided that. Uh, he shouldn't be allowed on the ballot. Hi, everyone, and thank you for listening to Agreeable Disagreements. Uh, just a quick correction. Um, in Colorado, they did have a bench trial, and it did go to their Supreme Court, who ended up uh, upholding the decision to remove Trump from the ballot. Uh, but I also said that in Maine, it was a single judge who made that decision, which also would have been a bench trial, but it was actually their Secretary of State. So I just wanted to make sure that I'm holding myself accountable and acknowledging when I've been incorrect. And with that, back to the show. I think he's going to be on. I genuinely do. I think he's going to be allowed on the ballot for a number of reasons. One, I think using the word insurrection for what happened on January 6th is not necessarily. I'm not going to say it's inaccurate. But I think it's stretching both the definition of insurrection and the events of what happened. Um, Not much, but just enough to make me go, I don't know if that's an insurrection. How so? So for one, when you Google, you look up the definition of insurrection. It's a violent uprising against an authority or government. And to me, when we look at the historical use of that word, we're looking at rebellions that are trying to overthrow the government rebellions that are trying to start new ones right they were going into the capital using violence in order to stop the confirmation of a duly elected president how is that anything other than i would say it's a riot overthrow the government uh, well, okay, so overthrowing the government to me would be saying we're going to go in there and we're going to scrap this whole thing from top to bottom and we're going to put ourselves or someone we like in power. That, That's exactly me, what it was. No, it's not. They were trying yes, to maintain – No, they were trying to maintain the they status quo. They were trying to, to stop the confirmation of Biden as the you know president-elect and install their own uh, leader who advocated – or, or uh, at least tacitly instructed them to go and do just that. Okay, but let's let's look at some of the context here. Let's say that outside of the January sixth circumstance, let's put put pause on that back burner. We'll come back to it in a moment. Okay. Let's say that you live in a foreign country. You are a citizen of that country. You have Mm -hmm. democratic elections and there is enough evidence in your mind that your elections were rigged and it's not just you. There is a large 
large group of people who are saying, yes, there's been a lot of political corruption in the last 20 years. It has been growing more and more and more. And we just saw some huge symptoms of it. We think that this was a violation of our democracy. Would mm -hmm. it not be right? I'm not saying whether that was the case or not, but in those people's minds, would it not be the right thing to try and preserve democracy? So the, the, let's not get back to January 6th yet. Let's look at that no, example. Yeah. Well, but I mean, that's, that's kind of the point that I'm, that I'm thinking is that it's that term preserve democracy. Sure. If you are led to, uh, those extreme, um, uh, measures, then at least at the very least, uh, you're convinced that democracy is, is not, uh, is not what's, you know, d democracy is dead. So, um, yes, but. If you There's... have grown up with this idea in your head that we vote for elector, we vote for leaders, and right. this is the will of the people, and right. to you, you have seen enough evidence that the will of the people was not followed. Let's say you live in Russia, all right? You live in Russia where there is video footage of people taking huge stacks of ballots and scanning them for Putin, right? Yeah. Just let, let's say you live in that country and that happens and you see it and you say, yes, 100% certain in my mind, this is happening. Would it not be the right thing to try and preserve your democracy, to try and fight for what you think is right and say the government is corrupt? We have set up measures that allow us to go against a corrupt government and to rebuild it. The constitution allows mm -hmm. for that. We need to exercise those rights. But that's a non sequitur because that's not what happened. But to these people, it is right. So that's, but, it's, the... but it isn't it, it to them. Yes. But that doesn't make it true. But, it's, but with it's... every court case, with every law intention is almost, if not just as important as the actual action. That's why there's various degrees of murder. It, they don't just care that you killed someone. They care why they don't just care what like that. You robbed a bank. They care about why you robbed the bank. They don't right. care about that. You hit someone with your car. They care about why, right? Were you drunk driving? Were you being negligent? Were you just tired and you fell asleep at the wheel? Was it an accident? Was it on purpose? I'm not going to sit here and say that the election was rigged. I don't think that I will say that there was enough suspicious activity that if you don't look at it and dig deeper, it does look kind of sketchy. Like with all that huge surge of Biden votes that came in all of a sudden I've looked at it. I understand why it's not sketchy, but to someone who's not going to dig deeper, it looks super, super sketchy and super corrupt. And when right. you're already but... hyped up, when you're already hyped up and have this idea in your head, I don't think it's an insurrection by definition, because I don't think people were trying to overthrow. I think they were trying to preserve and they may have been wrong. I, I will leave that definitely up for debate about whether or not they were right or wrong in doing so. But 
to me, an insurrection is the government is terrible. We need to restart it. And we're going to do that by starting our own militia. And we're going to have an organized, you know, sort of rebellion. And that just didn't happen. That was a protest that turned into a, a, a that riot. That is what happened. That's no, what not. the Proud Boys and Oath Keepers are, is but an organized militia. But they weren't the, the ones who organized intent. it. But they weren't the but, ones who organized it. They I, weren't the ones who stormed with guns. The people who stormed. Yes, they are. It, no, they're. Yes, they are. The, I what I will what I will grant you is I think that the majority of the people that were involved in January sixth did not go there with the intent to to uh, uh, cause an insurrection. However, intent, while it does play a factor it doesn't change what the outcome is and that matters more. And just because you're ignorant of what the actual facts were and the, and you didn't do your, you know, due diligence to figure out why, you know, those, those late Biden votes uh, weren't actually sketchy and you didn't, you were just ignorant of of you know the the fact that democratic state or predominantly democratic states uh are more likely to do mail in uh ballots sure. and that's why mm -hmm. you you know saw that latency ignorance right. is not a, a defense so while they may not have intended to cause an insurrection that still isn't uh, that still doesn't mean that that's not what happened because there absolutely were people that went armed, whether or not they were with the proud boys or the oath keepers. I mean, we saw people uh, with, uh, you know, bulletproof vests uh, with zip ties with, uh, you know, various uh, uh, equipment that, one would expect to only see from somebody who intended or at least expected to be involved in a violent altercation. And as soon as they, whether, whether or not they, uh, you know, were one of the people that was actually actively attacking the Capitol police, uh, as soon as you, entered the Capitol on that day at that time when you were not supposed to be there, that's a crime and you're complicit in that. It's, I mean, it's, I'll, I'll grant you it's unfortunate uh, somewhat. I, I personally don't think it's unfortunate because I, I, uh, I'm not going to defend anyone who was involved in that, but it's unfortunate that, you know, uh, to some extent that there were people there who did not understand the severity of their actions. However, that means absolutely nothing to the, the rule of law. So one, it does mean something to the rule of law because your intent does change the outcome of your sentence in a lot of things in, in many, many things. The Two, outcome of your sentence, it doesn't change the outcome of the, the crime that you committed. I think it provides context and context provides, provides a lot of extra sure. 
Um, second thing, we were both wrong. There were some Proud Boys and some leaders, Oath Keepers, I mean, there. But as far as I'm seeing, looking it up, it's like double digits, right? There's there's only been a few Proud Boys leaders who were sentenced to prison. There's only been like 10 or so. There might be more. This is just what I'm seeing as I'm scanning the headlines and everything, trying to find the information out. Yeah. So I will admit I was wrong. They were there, but I was right in that they were not there as an organized military militia, which is what I was trying to say, that there's there, well, there wasn't yeah, an organized that's... militia, which is what you need sort of for an insurrection. I will say we're getting off topic though. Sure. Because we're the, the question is not, was January 6th an insurrection? It is, uh, will Trump be on the ballot? Because I mean, of before we move on from January that, though, 6th. <laughs> regardless of how you and I define an insurrection, the courts have found and decided that January 6th was an insurrection. Courts that are predominantly seated by Democrats. That doesn't matter. It does matter. There is total that totally matters, right? Your personal biases influence how you interpret laws. And right, you but can't tell me decided that. Okay, but you can't tell me that if those were almost majority, almost entirely majority seated committees by Republicans and that those people all got off, that you would not be upset. What is, sorry. Uh, so, say that. yeah, yeah, let me say it again. If you, you cannot tell me, I, I would not believe you for a second <laughs> if you said that if all of these committees that have said, yes, this is an insurrection, mm -hmm. which are seated by Democrats. If they had instead been seated by majority Republicans and they had said, no, it's not an insurrection, you cannot tell me that you wouldn't believe it or that you would not be upset. No, I, I absolutely would be upset. You're 100% you're correct. But the fact of the matter is that who, regardless of who... Uh, was on these who who were on the committees and everything what was decided and the decision that was made and the lens that we have to now look under it uh through they decided that it was an insurrection so that is fair in saying i, I will say that is fair in saying that because we've set that legal definition that we have to look at it through that lens that is I think an appropriate way of saying it, but I also yeah. don't necessarily think that that is one um, entirely okay. And two, not subject to change. I mean, we at one point also had committees that said that, you know, black people were three fifths of a person, you know, and that legal mm -hmm. definition has since changed. Um, I, I just, I think that it is extremely important who makes these decisions. And I do think that it would have been a very different decision had these committees been majority Republican. Now that's not to say it would have been hugely different because there are a number of Republicans who share the same views as you who say, yes, that wasn't okay. And I think that's coming up more and more as we get further and further away from Trump's presidency, where you had to be a loyal Trump Republican or you were blacklisted for the party. Yeah. But I, I think it does matter. Anyway, do you think that the Supreme Court is going to rule in favor of or against Trump? Um, 
bringing it bringing it back. I'm gonna say I eighty twenty. Uh, I think I think they're going to overturn these decisions. Now, the reason why I'm not a hundred percent is uh, I'm the last person to give uh, at least six of the Supreme Court justices any credit. But <laughs> credit where credit is due, they have surprised me so far on certain decisions that they've made and specifically in the Colorado case, the uh, precedent that they used uh, in part to justify making that decision and banning Trump was a decision that uh, Neil Gorsuch made uh, when he was, um, uh, I think, an appellate judge interesting that would make it a very interesting case to follow like aside from all of the other details that we've talked about already that alone Mm -hmm. i think would make it super interesting yeah um so i i think that there is a chance that they will uh at least uphold uh colorado's decision um just because uh given given the the decision by the government to define what happened on January 6th as an insurrection that then leaves a very little room for interpretation at least from what i can tell in that that specific clause in the 14th amendment that they uh are basing these decisions on. I think it's much more likely that they're going to uh, find more success in uh, striking down the decision in Maine, where it was one person, one judge unilaterally making this decision. Uh, I would be interested to see if it changes it across the board or if they say this only applies to the Colorado or only applies to the Maine decision, because, you know, I think, their reasoning for why taking Trump off or why they take Trump off is going to play a big, important role and not just can they, or did they, you know? And I think, yeah, yeah, that's going to set an interesting set of precedents. Well, and that, I mean, to, to that point, that's why I think the Colorado one is more likely to succeed because they went through a bench trial. They had, uh, uh, I believe I believe they had a, a jury. I'm not entirely sure how you know a bench trial is different, um, but it's it's much harder in that case, from what I know, to argue that it was purely a political maneuver. I think it's pretty easy to make at least an argument in the case of Maine that it was politically motivated. Um, whether or not that actually makes a difference i'm not entirely sure but i think if if uh just i mean all that being said i think i i have little confidence that the main uh decision is going to be upheld by the supreme court um and 
I'm still pretty confident that the Supreme Court uh, would strike down the Colorado decision, but I think there's uh, a little bit more hope, if you will, uh, in that case. So I I agree that uh, Trump is probably going to be ruled in favor by the Supreme Court. I do think it'll be a lot closer than six to two or six to three, because I mean, some of the, a good number of those were put on by him, but have a number of them have also shown to be fairly moderate. Like you said, you've been surprised by the court yeah. recently. Yeah. And I, I agree. I think that there's a number of more moderate people on the court than we like to think. Some of who I think were put on by Trump, you know, um, yeah. Amy Coney Barrett, I, for example, has, I think, shown to be a little bit more moderate than I expected her to be. I I mean, I, I can't disagree with that. Um, I still think that the three people that Trump uh, 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 appointed, nominated, uh, app- appointed, thank you. That's the word I was looking for. That social um, studies I, teacher I, kicking in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I still think that they have no business being on the Supreme Court. But I will say that um, I have been not pleasantly surprised, but surprised. Sure. Um, I think that uh, I think Gorsuch uh, is a likely uh, or somebody that I would at least expect uh, to possibly um, uphold the decisions made in, in Colorado and Maine. Um, yeah, he's been pretty moderate too. Well, and he, uh, I think, I mean, uh, like you were saying before, you know, personal biases and, and opinions and, uh, just, you know, personal factors do weigh into these kinds of things. And I think he kind because they specifically cited him, uh, in order to make that decision, I think. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he, you know, just tried to save face by upholding uh, this decision that he made when he was an appellate judge. Um, I think it's pretty. I'm I'm pretty confident in saying that Clarence Thomas would oh, yeah. probably uh, side uh, or would probably vote to um, strike it down. Uh, unless actually, no, I, maybe I take that back because he's, he's a pretty staunch, um, constitutional originalist and he very much likes to read, uh, directly into what is written in the constitution without leaving much room for interpretation. Uh, now that's not to say that he doesn't still you know utilize his own interpretation uh but i mean the the 14th amendment um i think pretty clearly states uh let me let me look this up first no person shall be a senator or representative in congress or the elector of president and vice president or hold any office civil or military under the united states under the United States or under any state who having previously taken an oath as a member of Congress or as an office of the United States or officer of the United States, uh, but just more of the same, yeah. uh, shall be, 
shall have engaged in insurrection or rebellion against the same, or given aid or comfort to the enemies thereof. So uh, let's think about the context here, though. Um, the con- let's uh, the date that it was ratified is eighteen sixty eight, right? Um, right, which is in the wake of the Civil War by a couple right. of decades, um, because that's when it's becoming relevant. Oh, can we have senators who were part of the Confederacy? now back right. in washington dc and when you when you look at it in that context i do not think it is comparable to say that trump engaged in insurrection at least in the way the 14th amendment is trying to deny yeah i i mean i i think that that's uh I would agree that it's not comparable, uh, but uh, I mean, it, it, just for instance, uh, was it Je- Jefferson Davis? He was the yeah, uh, he was the Confederacy president, right? So I think it was you know in order to prevent somebody like him from holding public office uh, because he absolutely was uh, you know involved gave aid and comfort to the insurrectionists. Right. Um, I think. Also, I'm uh, sorry. I said it followed the civil war by a couple of decades. It was by a few years. I'm or, yeah. very wrong. In yeah, saying no, that. I didn't even catch that. Uh, I, I, I knew what you meant. I think our listeners will also understand what you meant. Um, or they'll keel over in their chairs and say, he's teaching the youth of America. I studied European history. Get off my back, imaginary commenter. Anyway, keep going. Anyway, um, <laughs> I I think uh, – I don't know. I, I, I think that they're – personally, I think that there is – little room for interpretation but i wouldn't be surprised if you know somebody pulled uh a rabbit out of their hat and decided that there was well here's the thing if people are going to make the argument that the second amendment only applies to arms as they were defined at the time the second amendment was uh around then we need to apply that same logic to the 14th amendment and insurrection Right. However, um, a big part of the the problem with the Second Amendment and why there is still so much debate is because it is uh, just grammatically and contextually very, very poorly written. I would There's... say ambiguous, and I think it's intentionally ambiguous. I, I would say I would say unintentionally. I, I think possibly it's uh, intentionally ambiguous. I think it's also unintentionally poorly written. There, the the just the grammatical structure of it uh, is a not grammatically correct, but also depending on uh, even just the placement of of certain commas. Um, makes it very very uh 
difficult to discern what the the even just the subject and the object of the sen- uh, of you know the the amendment that would be an interesting topic for a future episode we should put that on the docket there there's actually uh uh there's a really good episode of um uh actually two two different podcasts uh one is um the more perfect podcast which is put on by the people who make radio lab and it's all about uh uh like famous supreme court cases where they go into just that like the wording of the second amendment the other one is malcolm gladwell's podcast revisionist history where the whole episode is just about what do these uh unnecessary commas mean in the context of the second amendment i think the 14th amendment the at least the the that part in section three that they are uh talking about um is is far less ambiguous so clarence thomas might be able to uh you know figure out a way to work around that and interpret it in a different way but knowing him and his proclivity to stick to strictly just the letter um of the law uh I think it's going to be a much harder case. Yeah, I guess we'll see. And I think that brings us to what I think we should confidently say is our final one. How do you think the election is going to go this year? It is an election year. It's arguably either the most important or the least important election in recent history. Um, I mean, I think it's the most important. Uh, for but you could one, argue that every election is the most important election. Uh, I don't know. I, I think that the implications of, of particularly if Trump wins, and particularly because of his rhetoric within the last few weeks, which have become much more reminiscent of uh, uh, dictatorships in the past, uh, even using quotes from people like Mussolini uh Stalin um just uh is really concerning and he also has no intention of uh if if elected again he has no intention of upholding the uh the sanctity of democracy um and I, feel I like think those it, are some pretty strong allegations Andrew <laughs> It's, I mean, they're not my allegations. These are allegations from a lot of people who are much smarter, much, much more informed than I am. And they have legitimate concerns. Um, I mean, I, obviously I have legitimate concerns, but it's, it's concerning what he's saying. I, what I will say is it could very much just be, you know, uh, all talk and no walk. I think that we can safely say that a lot of it is all talk and no walk based on the precedent that he has set of talking a lot of game and not delivering on a lot of it. Um, mm-hmm. 
And I, I would. I, I hope you're correct. Well, I mean, that's how it was the last time. Um, the the stuff that he delivered on were his political promises on economics and jobs and things like that, right? His biggest promises were, you're going to be better underneath me. And arguably, I'm not going to say definitively, um, you could arguably say that he delivered on those. A lot of people felt better under Trump as far as their financial situation goes, their economic situation goes, um, than they did under the last few years of President Obama and the most recent couple of years under President Biden. Um, that being said, I will say that it's bad optics uh, for Trump <laughs> to, to use that kind of rhetoric. But he's... I, I, I'm not concerned about it. Like, as someone who has studied a lot of history, particularly pertaining to fascist, uh, communist, authoritarian dictatorships, mm -hmm. I don't see it. I, I don't see it from him, mostly because I don't think he's got the energy to actually follow through with a lot of it, and also because he's not talking up a serious game, right? You can tell when he's talking and he's saying some of these things that, uh, yes. And here's why, because when you see him talking up some of these things um, that are very authoritarian sounding, he's not, he's not speaking about them with the same passion and conviction that an actual authoritarian is would authoritarian would say it compare how he says these authoritarian things to the ways that Hitler or Mussolini, or Mao, or Pol Pot, or even Ho Chi Minh would have said these things, right? All of these people right. arguably very, very authoritarian in their rule did, you know, said a lot of these similar things that Trump is saying, not necessarily about policy, but in method of enforcement. And right. they say them with a lot more gusto and a lot more gravitas. Whereas he says them with and, a, lot, and a more, lot more intention. Correct. And he says it with, a, I think, a bit more levity. Um, I wouldn't say levity. I, I would say he's he's just, in some ways, throwing spaghetti at the wall and seeing what sticks. And that's yes. what makes it so concerning to me. Is because I don't know that he understands the implications of the things that he's saying. And I think that uh, I, th I think we're in a much different place than we were in 2016 or uh, we were even before January 6th. I think his base has become much more uh, fanatical and embattled and uh, they've dig in, they, they've dug in uh, much more than they were before. Also, I think, there's something to be said for the pattern that we see with every second term president where the, because the prospect of reelection is gone, they've been much more uh, fervent in their efforts to get things done, whatever that may be. I think the other side of that is because there's no, uh, at least constitutional way for Trump to get reelected, he would be willing to uh, dismantle the uh, 
statutes that are in place preventing that and would attempt to do to basically take a page out of um putin's book and find loopholes for him to either stay in power as president or as some other way i think we've already seen his uh his toying with that idea when he uh was um you know commenting on on uh becoming the speaker of the house or you know i, I i'm not sure what form that would take but i think that that you can't really compare how he was uh in his presidency to how he would be in in a second term of presidency or how he is now so but i will agree that i don't think he has that same intention or the same know-how that th- these other dictators that we've seen in history have had that allowed them to get into that position to to uh just have total authoritarian control. So there's, but I think that that's much more concerning because he's, he's a loose cannon. I don't think he's nearly as loose a cannon as people think he is. Um, because of what we've seen with him in the past where it's a lot of talk, not a whole lot of delivery. Um, I will say there's a few things going on here. One, I don't think that his base has become more embattled and more, um, what were the other words you used? Uh, fanatical. Fanatical. Oh, no. Uh-uh. I, I would not say that. Because one, when you look at the majority of people who support Trump, very few of them look at his authoritarian comments. Very few of them look at his, you know, sort of fanatical comments. And the majority of them say he's going to fix the economy. He's going to get rid of corrupt politicians, which is something that a lot of people want regardless of party. Also, right. when you look at recent but if they, polls, if they also looked at his actions, they would see that uh at, I mean the bo- both of those uh, are not things that he actually did. I'm going to I'm going to put the economy part to the side because that'll lead us into a much longer sure. debate. But the corruption thing, that's he absolutely did not get rid of the corruption. I'll agree with he, that. He inst- he installed his cronies into positions of power where they were not qualified. And his base, while that may be what they're looking at, it also means that they're, or, or at the same time, they're ignoring the other things. Yes. They're ignoring the indictments. They're ignoring but... the con- the convictions. They're ignoring the things that he's done wrong. And that's, that's what I mean by more fanatical is they're willingly, uh, or at least, uh, at the very least subconsciously ignoring the things that would lead somebody to that conclusion. There is a fundamental misunderstanding among the left that I see regularly that you just eloquently voiced about who Trump supporters are and why they support Trump. I, I, I do not see it as, um, especially living in a red state where there's MAGA all over, right? Um, mm-hmm. Not a single person 
I have ever met who talks about the extremist things or the more extreme or crazy or somewhat authoritarian things. It's all about, he's an outsider. I'm tired of Washington officials and politicians telling me how to live my life. I want someone else. And he is someone else. He may not be a good someone else. He is someone else. And that comes from a deep distrust of the government and media that has been fostered by the fact that all media right now is super biased and most of it is biased towards the left, right? The majority of mainstream media is very, very, very left-leaning. It is yes. hard to deny that. And so when you look at that and you are a person who is a Trump supporter, he's someone who's outside of Washington and you see all of this leftist media who you know is to some degree, in some way, lying to you, they're going to look at that and say, well, if the liars and the people who say things I hate and disagree with don't like this guy, he must be someone I should be listening to because he stands up against the establishment. The people I don't trust don't trust him. And so a lot of these people don't see him as an authoritarian. They don't see him as an extremist. They don't see him as anything more than a businessman who knows how to run money through an economy. And for the but most he part, doesn't. you, and that's part of what they're ignoring. You can argue his business dealings predominantly failed across the board. Okay. But almost every businessman is like that, right? Because almost every business fails. And I would, I know I plenty of successful not... businessmen who say they have lost more money than they've made and they are still richer than I ever hoped to be. Yeah, but Trump isn't rich. He just has people willing to credit him. That's and a that's, topic that's, for that's another a different time. thing. That's another topic for another time. But what I'm getting at is people on the left have this view that Republicans who support Trump are ignorant of all of these things that are going on or they don't care. And some of that is true, but not in the way that's being interpreted by the left, right? A lot of Republicans, yeah, just don't care that he's going to these court cases because to them, that's just the establishment that they don't trust trying to shut him down. And some of that is seated in Trump's rhetoric, but a lot of that is seated in the, you know, 20 years of growing media and political discord that we've had since at least since Clinton. Right. Sure. And but can I ask you this? Though? Sure. What would be the top three right wing media outlets? Top three, not, not, not in terms of their ability but in terms of popularity. I mean, I can only think of two and that would be Fox news and the daily wire. Okay. One of those has had to, uh, uh, pay fines for lying to their, uh, their viewers. Sure. That's the daily wire. Oh, is it? Or is it Fox news? I mean, could have been, if it's uh, if the Daily Wires also had to do that, I was not aware. I of don't that. know that they've had to pay fines, but I know that they've had to do a lot of backtracks okay. on some things. Well, 
I was talking about Fox News with the Tucker Carlson oh, stuff. Oh, but Tucker Carlson, let's not even go there. Nobody likes but him. That's that's not the point, though. He was a representative of Fox News, and Fox News allowed him to do this knowingly, or knowing that he was lying. Yes. Can you say the same for the multi for i mean uh i i'm not disagreeing that the majority of media is left-leaning however is it left-leaning because it's intentionally trying to be left-leaning or is it that the reporting that's being done while uh possibly uh uh the decision on what to report might be in uh, actively uh, trying to be in favor of a left-leaning agenda is still accurate, if that makes sense. So you're trying to say, is left-leaning media more present because facts more support left-leaning media? Yeah. I would say no. Because... And here's, here's why. Um, first and foremost, most media today has to do with instantaneous delivery rather than mm -hmm. accurate delivery. Yeah. And with that comes the idea that all media outlets are trying to make money. That's their end goal. They need to make money. Yeah. And they get money by having you see their advertisements that they run. And they're going to do that by one of two ways first they're either going to try and bring you in with heartwarming happy things or they're going to try and rile you up with scary or discord kind of things and that yeah. second one sells a lot more a lot more than the first one but that's i see way more of that happening hold with on right-wing media um I, the fear mongering. I, I disagree. I think that we've just become acclimated to the leftist style of the same thing. Um, but that's again, topic for another time. I, I would say that facts don't support any particular viewpoint because they are simply facts. And sometimes that's going to be more in line with a rightist, sometimes more in line with a leftist view, but at the end of the day, they're trying to sell you a product. And that product for them in the last 20, 40 years has been anger and frustration and fear. And more people are willing to freak out and blow up on the left than there are on the right. I Oh, no. See, I here, would disagree. I, I tell you, having lived in vehemently vehemently whatever that word is blue state vehemently and vehemently red states and swing states the only people who really get riled up on the right are the boomers who have nothing better to do with their time and the few very few extremists okay the people in the left who get riled up is almost all of them <laughs> Okay, I, I, I see what you're saying. I see so what you're saying. I'm saying that the percentage of people who are going to get riled up by this material is smaller on the right 
most rightist people are going to be like, I could worry about that, or I could worry about my job and focus on putting food on the table. Whereas leftist people, I think, associate the, associate those two things more closely, and so get a lot more frustrated and are more willing to openly um, have this have these conversations or discord. Republicans, I have found, are more likely to go, eh, whatever happens, happens. I may not like it, but eh. Whereas Democrats are much, much more likely to blow up. And with that in mind, that means there's a bigger audience for leftist media than there is for rightist media. Right. I I see what you're saying. I think it's a false... Uh, not a fa- false dichotomy, but I think it's a uh I I I I I guess I just disagree with with how you interpret that. I, I think, think that that the people on the left who are outraged are outraged because of things that are reasonable at least to them, to be outraged about things like income inequality, things like a lack of access to healthcare, things like uh, uh, the education system. I think that the, uh, but, but what they're basing that outrage on are actual facts. My, my understanding. The difference, Mm -hmm. the different, the difference is that, so many people on the right that I've seen and and the way that the uh, the right-leaning media uh, um, it uh, intentionally influences them is based on it's it's much more based on fear uh it, it, i mean the the sensationalism and the fear is rampant throughout media that's you're absolutely correct about that but are that's, you are you trying to say that fear is more rampant on the right side and sensationalism is more rampant on the left uh i wouldn't i wouldn't say that i think sensationalism is rampant on both sides i'm not going to make a uh a claim about which side it's more prevalent on. Um, I could see valid arguments for saying it's on the left. I could see valid arguments for saying it's on the right. However, I think the right is much more susceptible to the fear. And that's what the right leaning media has utilized. And I can I think see that. that that's, while that may, um, It's, it, it's, uh, you might be correct that more people on the left are outraged. Um, I, I don't think that people on the left are as afraid. And if they are afraid, it's more likely, at least in my opinion, that they're outraged about things that are factually based instead of people on the right who are listening to right 
leaning news outlets who are taking advantage of that fear and knowingly telling falsehoods in order to push that agenda and amplify that fear and sensationalism. I don't think you see the same thing with the left-leaning media, at least the majority of it. There are certain outlets that I'll grant you definitely do play into that on the left as well. So I I have a lot to say on this as someone who worked in media, but we need to end (laughs) it. This is, this is, we do. And we, we, we spent, we were trying to talk about how do we think the presidential election is going to go? And we turned it into what is the state of everything to lead up to that presidential election? So let's end with a simple answer. Who do you think is going to win? Can we take 10, can we take 10 minutes to actually just talk about that? Because I, I think I have a surprising. Let's keep uh, it. Let's keep it answer. to five. Because I gotta run an errand and it's nine o'clock. <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> All um, right. What's your surprising answer? Who do you think is going to win, given the state of media and the country that we've talked about for the last twenty plus minutes? What do you think? Who do you think is going to win? What is the outcome? Okay. So, I I have a a, a couple. Uh, I have to put it into context. Got to do it quick, man. I only got four and a half minutes left. I know. Assuming that Trump is allowed to be on the ballots, which I think he will be. Mm -hmm. Um, I think I, unfortunately, I think Trump's going to win because I think, uh, particularly because of the, uh, the effective propaganda around Biden's age and being feeble, you know, whatever that like narrative is, is effective. Also, unfortunately, I think Biden is receiving a lot of very legitimate and rightful criticism for his handling of the Israel situation, which we can go into it at another point, but I think it's enough that it will not cause people to vote for Trump. I think it's going to cause a lot of people to just abstain from the election. And I think that the Republicans, unless, unless one of the other candidates somehow gains a lot more traction, uh, I think Trump is, is going to be elected. Uh, I, and I think the other candidates are, are, going to drop out before the the primary even comes up and and i think some will but i think some are going to continue to challenge him i do think trump is going to win and i think for very different reasons than you do i think it has less to do with quote-unquote propaganda because i i would agree that some of it is and agree that a lot of it's not or disagree and say that a lot of it's not i think because again when i talk to people about politics here nobody mentions biden's age Nobody mentions without, at least without mentioning Trump's age too. Nobody mentions his feebleness. Everybody mentions things cost so much more and it's been getting worse and worse the entire time he's been president. Nothing to do with Biden though. You know, you can argue it does. You can argue it doesn't. He's, he's had several policies that have not controlled inflation nearly as well as they could have. He is, I mean, even if it's not him, it's his advisors, it's people who he has appointed. They're going to blame him because he's the figurehead, right? At the end of the day. Right. At the end of the day, he's the one at the top of the chain that they're going to hold responsible. And 
there are very few people in the body of voters who are better off today than they were under Trump. And I think a lot of that is going to turn into a Trump re-election. And I, I think we're seeing a lot of that with polls. I mean, Trump is already leading Biden in polls, some by only a few points, some by a lot. And a lot of these polls shifting, a lot of these, the shifting in these polls is among people who traditionally have voted Democrat or in last election voted for Biden. That includes young people under 35. That includes African-Americans and Hispanics who are moving, if not to Trump, to a third party, but definitely away from Biden. But I mean, there's, there's a lot in that, that I would like to argue, but I, I know that we need to, to cut it short, but what we can agree on about this election. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) What we can agree on is that there's a lot of people for legitimate and possibly illegitimate reasons who are dissatisfied with Biden and Trump really only has voters to lose at this point. I don't think he's going to, anyone who is against Trump at this point, uh, I think people is who... not going to vote for him, uh, and, but the people who are going to vote for him are are obviously not going to go anywhere else. I think he's going to get people to vote for him, not because he's winning them over, but because he's not Biden. I feel like he's going to win people, not because he's a better candidate, but because Biden is a worse one, if that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I, I think I think that's fundamentally where I disagree. I think that that the people who are dissatisfied with Biden and would have potentially voted for Biden are just going to abstain. Eh. Well, either way, either way, that's going to have a Trump. E- either way, result. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to be surprised if Trump. Gets oh, this is a again. long episode. Oh. Well, thank you for it listening is. to agreeable disagreements. Um, I don't know the name of the people who do our outro and intro music. Will you thank them for me? Because I'm tired. Oh, yeah. Uh, so thank you to so Halcyon Club. I'm so sorry, Halcyon Club. Um, uh, they, again, did our uh, uh, intro and outro uh, song. It's called uh, This Life is Tough But Fair off of their EP, thank uh, you. Headset Emotions. And Cameron, I think you have a fun fact for us. I have a fun fact for us. Uh, Because I live in Indiana, I'm going to do a fun fact about Indiana, which is that Indianapolis was apparently the first Capitol building to have a chapel in it. Oh, I didn't know that. I didn't even know that they had chapels in Some of them do. Yeah. Yeah.